My life changed as a 17-year-old young man when someone handed me one of these cards. It was done for me on a Wednesday evening. I was a senior at, uh, at, a, at Hendersonville Christian Academy in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Just starting my senior year of high school was September. A fellow named Don Sis was invited to come to our church to preach for our missions conference. He's an old man, has been old as long as I've ever known him. He's a happy old man and a good man. You've heard him on the radio station. I oftentimes call him and get him to give us some advice. It's just fun to talk to him. But he insisted that everyone got one. He wanted every child to get one, every teenager. He even said, if you're a teenage boy, you get one. And I was like, okay, I'm getting one. <laughs> he said, don't fill it out, but keep it. Pray over it. We're going to be talking about what we're going to do every week for the cause of world evangelism for this next year. We're going to start a business meeting. It's going to go four, four days long, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I guess five, Sunday. And we're going to decide what we're going to do individually and corporately as a church so that people around the world can hear about Jesus. See, to get the gospel to people, it takes people willing to go. It takes materials, it takes media, but it takes money. Money is really probably the cheapest thing you can do for missions, but it's, it's a vital thing. Before you ever give money, you ought to first give your own heart to the Lord. But I think also it's hard to give your own heart unless you are giving financially. Each of the missionaries that we support, you see their names, they can't work in those countries. They can't go over there and say, I want to get a job here, I want to work over here while I, while I work in your, in your country. They won't let them work. In order for them to go to those countries, every one of them, they have to have proof of income. And the way they get their income is when churches like ours collectively every week take an offering and then every month send them a stipend so that they can be in their mission field. When they need to buy a building, they let us know. We may be able to help them with that. If, they, if their child gets sick, they let us know. We can try to help them with that. But what we try to do is every month send them something so that they can be where they are because they can't just go down to a printing press and say, I need some gospel tracts where missionaries give them to us for free. <laughs> no, they have to pay. When their child gets sick, they have to take care of them. It's like we're ours here. When they go register their vehicle, they have to have money to do it in that, for, in that foreign country. When they go down to get their driver's license, they have to have money in that currency. And so God's people get together, and every week we give amount every week that we do. And the way we do it, we do it the Bible way that Paul taught the church of Corinth how to do it whenever he was raising money for hurting people in Judea or Jerusalem many years ago. He went to a church like ours, and he said to them, next year, I'm going to be going back to Jerusalem. It may have been after a famine, I'm not exactly sure about that, but be sure to know that the church of Jerusalem was full primarily of Jewish people that had been suffering. They had come to know Jesus Christ, they had been suffering from their families, they had been suffering from the government, they had been suffering from the other religious zealots who did not want them to believe in this way. It's where the first martyrs were, Stephen and his widow still lived there. Stephen now is with the Lord, and he is the first man who died. He was the first deacon of the church that was killed. 
But his widow still lives there, and his kids were there, and many other of the, of the people of that church, and they paid a great price so that other people around the world could hear about Jesus. So Paul, after spending years winning people to Christ in these churches, went around and said to them, remember when I came to your church and I started the work in the city and I led you to the Lord, led you to the Lord, led you to the Lord. Remember that? We got saved at your house and remember we rented that building and that's where we came. We were over here and we had services there. And remember how long we trained? Well, I'm getting ready to go back to the place that they have suffered so much so I could come to you. It was in Israel is where he was in Antioch, where he was sent out as a missionary. And the church laid hands on him and prayed for him, and they supported him. They brought him on his way, the Bible says. They gave him money to, to buy boat tickets and, and gave him money to go to the next town or the next town. And he would have to work while he was there. And that day he was a tent, he was a tent maker, so he would make tents if he needed money. But people, churches would give him. He says, look, I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. I'm going to go back to meet the people that have suffered from the very beginning of the gospel. And I want to give them two things. Number one, I want to give them your testimony that you got saved because I came to you. And number two, I want to give them financial blessings. I want to give them gifts that you collected. His first church to try it with was the church of Corinth, where we read today 2 Corinthians chapter 15, excuse me, chapter 8. He came to them and said, because they were, they were like the First Baptist Church of Hammond. They were in the city. Most of the people there had jobs. They were in a, a part of Achaia, which is a part of Greece. And uh, it was a, a good place. It was a port city and lots of commerce going on. They had gotten saved, and he went to them and said, here's my idea, and they got excited. And they said, you know what, we want to participate in this. Next year, well, let's do it. Let's start taking offerings right now. And they started getting excited about it. And he said, well, now how much will you give? And they went around, and I don't think they gave a piece of, people a piece of paper, but they said, okay, how much would you give, Zachary? And how about you, Tim? And Carolina, how much would you give? And Vicki, how about you? And Jose and Gabby, how much you? And Donna, how about you? And hey, Dan and Beverly, how much will you give? And they went around and they found out how much people said they would give every week for this next year. And then someone told Paul, Paul, when you come back next year, if everyone does what they said they're going to do, we're going to have this much money to give to you. And we'll also send one of our men to go with it. He insisted. He wanted there to be honesty. He wanted said, providing things honest in the sight of God and man. He said, I, I, don't want, I don't need to touch the money. You can bring someone with you to bring the money. I want them to hear your testimony. And I want you to give to them. Well, when Paul heard that, when that treasurer came up and said, I've talked to everybody, and here's how much we're going to give you, Paul was blown away. He said, you're kidding me. No. He said, yeah. Everybody's excited about it. So when you come back next year, we're going to be ready. He got excited. So he took that news and he went to other churches and he told them, he said, look, here's my idea. And they said, that sounds good. He said, the church at Corinth, they're going to give this much. And people said, are you kidding? Well, if they're going to give, we've got to give. The problem is some of the churches he went to, they weren't wealthy. They were poor. And it wasn't an easy time. It was a time of affliction. There was a lot of problems going on. And, and they were country bumpkins and in harder places to serve and harder places to make a buck. 
But these people gave aggressively. So much that Paul said, hey, listen, I just don't think it's good. You guys are giving way too much. You need that for your own family. They said, no, you've got to let us participate. We're going to do it. And he went and told everybody. And everybody got excited and they wanted to participate. But then, Paul, it's a year. It's almost time to go back to that first church. And Paul gets nervous. Because he's going to be bringing all these poor pastors from these poor churches with sacrificial gifts going to the big church at Corinth. And he's nervous because he knows how they are. He heard that there's some fighting, there's some arguing. He heard that there's some selfishness and they're getting busy in their own stuff and they're building their own houses and they're working their own businesses. And the offerings are not probably as good as they ought to be. And he's scared. That he's going to come and bring these people and he's bragged about them all over the world. And now these people are going to come and they're not going to be ready. So, he sends a guy named Titus. Now, Titus is a bull in a china closet. Titus has a Greek dad. He's a hardhead. And he's, he's pretty strong about this. And he was there when they committed that they were going to give. And, and Paul says, all right, Titus. He wouldn't send Timothy. Timothy's way too timid. But he sends Titus. He says, Titus, now get over there and take another guy with you, which we have as unnamed. The Bible doesn't tell us who it is. But he's someone who has a good testimony. He's very honest, and people appreciate him, whoever it might have been. He said, now, I'm going to send Titus. Titus, you get over there, and you tell them, I'll be there next month, and they need to get together their offering so that I don't bring these poor people, and then I'm embarrassed because I told everybody how much they gave, and they, they didn't do it. So remind them of what we talked about. So that's the setting that we have as we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's look at it real quickly. Got your Bibles out? If you got your Bibles out, say amen. amen. Okay, I hope someone woke up right around you. Okay, that'd be good. If you got your Bibles out, say it a little louder. I'm just joking. Never mind. We're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 there, and let's just begin at verse number 1. That's the setting. Let's look at it, if we can, real quickly. Moreover, brethren, we do you wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. He says now, he's writing to this church that a year ago they said they were ready, but they have gotten a little bit nervous. He got nervous about it. He said, I want to remind you about the Macedonians. Would you read verse 2 with me again? And just let's see some of the problems here. How that in a great trial of... And the abundance of their, and their deep, abounded into the riches of their. You have, two, you have two words that are opposite. He said they have affliction, but they have joy. You know what comes in the heart of a Christian who is a giving person? Joy comes in the part of the heart of them. He said, now they've got problems, but they have joy. They've got poverty, but they're extremely liberal. They're giving. That's these people. So he uses the Macedonian people to tell them, listen, I'm coming to the big church, and you guys are giving to missions. You said you would do it, but man, I'm going to tell you, I'm bringing some people that have sacrificed greatly. They're going through a difficult time. Look at verse number three. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their what? They were willing of themselves. Praying with us with great entreaty, with much entreaty, that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry of the saints. He goes, we want to be a part of this. Verse number 5, read it with me. And this they did, not as we hoped, 
Very good. He says here, he said, first, he said, when these people got into this thing, he goes, we told them, look, I, I just don't think it's, you guys are giving way too much. I need an usher, if you would please, to bring me an offering envelope, which, an offering, offering uh, um, uh, plate. Would you bring an offering plate down here, please? He, these people, when, when it came time to pass the plate, he said, they started giving. He said, but they did something very unique first. Years ago, I heard about this. and It was a little boy, and he was taking a missions offering. And he gave at the earlier part of the week, and he gave a little bit later. And then he didn't have anything else to give. Thank you very much, Brother Mike. Appreciate that. When you're old, you're really slow, brother. Come on now. Thank you. You pray for Brother Mike. He's, he's, just got, he's got issues. But we love him very much. This little boy said, I don't have any more to give. And the pastor said, we all got to do something. And he went down to the usher. And he was holding He said, could you put the offering plate a little lower? He said, lower, lower. He said, what do you do? Put it on the floor? He said, please. And the little boy stood inside the offering plate. He said, here's what I want to do. I want to give myself. I don't have anything else to do. I've given all my offering. Would God take me? And the truth of the matter is, that's what these people did. He said, we, we, were, we were like telling them, no, that's okay. You don't need to give your chicken. No, don't give your rice. You need that. Don't give your money. Don't. It's okay. You need it. He said, they didn't do that. They gave their own selves first. One of the cheapest things we can do for missions is to give our money, but God wants our heart. But where our treasure is, there are, this is why my goal would be that every one of us, every teenager, every young boy, every girl, every single adult, every married adult would say, Lord, you not only have my money, but you got my heart. You got me. I'm in this thing to win this thing. I'm in this thing to help. And he said, these churches of Macedonia, they didn't do what we thought they were going to do. We, we told them stop, and they, they, they kept getting in the offering plate themselves. And they said, what can we do? We've got to do something. And this is the heart that God shares with Apostle Paul as he shares with this church. Let's keep going and see what else he says. Can we please? We're in chapter 8. Now let's look at verse number 6. Insomuch that we desired who? Titus. Not only do we have the Macedonians, we have the man, Titus, that he had begun... So that he would also finish in you the same grace also. The word grace means participating, giving. For by grace are you saved through faith. How do we get saved? God gave. For God so loved the world that he... It is God's gift. He said, now, I'm going to... Titus was there when we started this thing. Remember when I gave out those cards? Well, I want him to help you finish what you said you're going to do as well. Look at the next verse, would you please? Verse number seven, therefore, as ye abound in everything. He says, you guys are great. And boy, I tell you, when I read these attributes, I see First Baptist Church all over this. He says, number one, ye abound in what? Faith. He said, man, you guys believe God. And you abound in? They're soul winners. You get the gospel out. You take out gospel tracts when some of you are already thinking, boy, I can't leave today without taking those flyers. I want to use those at my workplace and my neighbor. I've got to take those with me. 
He said, you're good at what you believe. You're good at utterance. What's the next thing it says you're good at? You know the Bible. If I start a verse, you can finish it. You've, you've learned the Bible. You are, you've been here enough times where you're like saying, yeah, I know. I know about that. He said, you guys are good at what you believe, at faith. You're good at getting the gospel out yourself. You're a soul winner. You're good at what you know. What's the next thing they're good at? They're hardworking. I think some of the hardest working people in the world are go to this church. I know I'm a little bit biased, but I'm not a lot biased. I love hardworking people. They bless so many things. People often say to me, man, tell me some of the attributes of first. How's church going? I said, we've got some hardworking people. They just will work hard. Some, they, they don't have, they don't, they don't, some, they don't, they don't do it for a paycheck. They do it because they just, they Testing, there we go. He said that they're hardworking. He said, you, you guys are good at, at what you believe. You're good at what you, you witness. You're good at what you know. You're good at working hard. Look at the next one, he said. Diligence. And in your, he said, man, you love us. Paul says, I know you love us. And I'm so grateful for that. By the way, this is one of the attributes of this church is that it it's tries to love people. We're not perfect at it. We've got a long ways to go. And the biggest room in this church is not this building. It's a room for improvement. And we need a lot of improvement on loving. So, but this church, you guys are good at loving us. And then he says, but I want you to abound in this what? What grace are you talking about? I'm talking about giving. So I want you to be good at giving. I want you to be good at sharing with what God's giving you for others. Look at verse number eight. We're, we're following along here. We've got just a few moments. He says, I speak not by commandments. So let me just say this. Missions, I'm giving all this to you, but you don't have to give. Now, I'll tell you, if you get a dollar, you should give a dime. If you get a stimulus check for, for $1,400, you should give $140 to God. That's just, that's just a no-brainer, Okay. You know, it's just dumb to steal, but it's really dumb to steal from someone that can watch you steal. <laughs> okay? If you get $10, $1 belongs to God. That's the rule. And, and that's what you have to do. You say, well, Pastor, I don't do it, and I'm fine. Either you're not saved, or you're not fine. <laughs> Something's going on there. You're, you're giving your tithe. You might be giving it to the pharmacist. Or you might be giving it to the tire store. You might be giving it to your mechanic. But you'll get your tithe one way or another. God will get it back from you. He'll bring a curse upon the life of a young man or a young lady or anybody who decides, well, I'm going to keep my tithe. You can keep it. God doesn't need it. He can make it. That's what you've got to do. If, you don't, if you're not tithing, that's where you need to start. That's your training wheels, okay? The training wheels of giving is learning to tithe. It's just honesty. Tithing does not show my generosity. It shows my honesty. If I drop my wallet and you follow me out and say, Pastor, I have your wallet. I said, well, or you, say, you said, Pastor, I have a gift for you. I said, well, really, what is it? It's your wallet. <laughs> I would not think you're a generous person. And if you give a dollar or a dime to someone that belongs to God, it belongs to him. He said, I give you everything. I'm going to ask you to stop on purpose and return one-tenth back to me. Not because God needs it. He got along before we ever showed up. I'm going to take my big bucks out of there. Go right ahead. Okay, God's not, he's not shuddering. He's not nervous about that. He can get money out of a rock if he wants to. He doesn't need us to do that. It's just honesty. He said it belongs to me, so honest people pay their bills. And what happens when you learn to tithe, 
It cares for God's work and his workers, but primarily it turns on inside of you an intrinsic understanding that God is with me. And when you know God is with you, you act better. You don't watch things you shouldn't watch. Everything is elevated when you know God's with you. When God is with you, you have, you have confidence. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. It's tithing is, is something you have to do. But giving to missions, you don't have to do it. You'll see it right here. Paul's going to say, I'm going to give you this. I'm not speaking by commandment. You don't have to do this. So everything we're talking about with missions, it's not a have to, it's a get to. Okay, let's look at what this says real quickly. Are you bearing with me? Are you okay? All right, here we go. Look at verse 8. I speak not by, but by the occasion of the forwardness of others. I'm speaking because other people gave so I could come to you. Other people gave. You know that I got saved in a building. I didn't pay the air conditioning, the light bill. I didn't buy the pew I was sitting on. I didn't pay the pastor that preached me the gospel. I gave nothing. All I did is just sit there. But somebody else gave so I could be there. That bus you rode on, you didn't pay the, the fuel for that bus. That track you accepted, that thing that was on your door, you didn't pay for that. Someone else gave for you. He said, why should you give now? You don't have to. But it seems like if someone gave so you could get saved, you should give so other people should get saved. The forwardness of others. Look at the next thing the Bible tells us. Not only because of the forwardness of others, but to prove the sincerity of your... He said... If you love, you give. If you say, I love, but I don't give. If Linda said, honey, we, we really need something, food for the kids. And I say, you know, honey, I love you. I love you so much. So well, that's wonderful, John. Can we get some food for the kids? Well, I tell you what, I just haven't told you enough. I love you so much. She say, no, John, I, we need to if, put your money where you're he said, why do we give? We give because someone else gave before us, and it proves if I love. Amy Carmichael, a little missionary, said this, you can give and not love. People do it to goodwill all the time just to empty out their garage. People give, I asked the end of the year, I got to get some taxes. I don't want to be taxed, so I'll just give. Anybody need something? <laughs> give this, give this. He said, you can give and not love. But you cannot love and not give. God so loved the world that he gave. We should do the same. And then let's look at the last one. I'll close here today. Verse number 9. And ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So though he was rich, yet for his sake he became poor, that ye through his power may be rich. Now we have the example of Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He gave his way into our life. He was rich, but he became poor so that we could be rich. Verse 10, and herein I give you my what? Once again, is this a command? No, it's a get to, not a have to. He didn't say, you have to do this. No, he says, I want to give you my advice. Because of all this, because of the Macedonians, because of Titus, because of people giving before you, because of your love, and because of Jesus, what he did for us, I'm going to give you my advice, Paul says. Look what he says in verse number 10. For this is expedient for who? You mean, if I give to world evangelism, it's good for me? Yes. You're the biggest winner. So, no, Pastor, you're just tricking me. You're trying to get money from me. I don't, I don't even know who gives money. I don't know that. 
I'm not trying to motivate you to get something out of you. Matter of fact, what we give to missions doesn't even benefit us here. It doesn't put fuel in the buses or insurance on the property. It doesn't, doesn't pay my, my salary. This is all stuff that goes on beyond that. It doesn't put paper towels in the, in the, in the paper towel dispenser. This giving benefits, Paul says, I'm going to give you my advice because this is expedient for you. Well, there's a lot of people that benefit when someone gives to missions. I think God's happy. Now someone hears about his son. I think Jesus is happy. Now a sacrifice can bring one more person to Christ. I think the Holy Spirit's happy. He can work and bring conviction of sin. I think the missionary's happy. They can do what they need to do and go where they need to go and, 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 and do their ministry what they need to do. But I think most people are happy too are the people who get to hear the gospel. Aren't you glad you got to hear the gospel? But you know who else is happy? Not only now, but for all eternity. The person who gave so you could be saved. Because this is expedient for you. When it comes to missions, some people stop at nothing of giving. They don't give. They can, you can add up, a lot of people spend more every year on keeping cable television coming into their house than they do on world evangelism. Some people spend more money on dog food. Add it up. Dog food, cat food, and veterinarian bills, and find out how much you spent last year, and find out how much did you give to world evangelism. There's some folks, we, we just give a few pennies of a dollar. We just put, ah, I'll just give some for missions. But we don't give. And if we give systematically, and Paul's telling them to do that, here I need to stop talking, but can you tell I kind of like this topic? I don't like it because I'm trying to get something. I, I like it because I think it's the best decision John Wilkerson ever made. And I was provoked by someone else who believed in it before I understood it. And they helped me. And I think I'm closer to God and I have a better relationship. I think I got a wife in part because of this. And when I have needs of comfort or difficulties or challenges or financial things, God gives to us if we'll learn to give to him and help see the world hear the gospel. You've got to, stop. You've got to start somewhere. Here's his final, and I'll just read it, and we'll, we'll be, seriously, this time I'm going to be done, okay? Come on, I know it's like lying, isn't it? I need to stop lying. Some of you are getting too excited about me getting done. Verse 10, would you read it with me? And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before not only to do, but also afford a year ago. You were excited last year, do it now. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. Don't forget to do it every week. That there may be a readiness, not only a readiness of will, just because you will do it, but so there may be a performance also of that which ye have. And he tells them, for if there be first a willing mind, it's accepted according to a man what he hath, not what, according to what he hath not. Not everybody can do the same thing. God's not asking you to give the income that someone sitting beside you gives. He's not asking maybe a single mom to give the same that a, that a, that a married couple can give. He said, you, whatever God's given you, you pray about it, you think about it, you plan to give. And then the last verse, let's read it together. Can we verse number 14? That by inequality, that now at this time, our abundance may be the supply for their want, and their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be where everything's all about equality. God says, you know, I got it figured out. At this time, Every one of us have it better than probably 90% of the world's population at this time. Do you think they're getting stimulus checks in Venezuela? 
Think they're getting stimulus checks in Zimbabwe? Mozambique? Think people over there that they don't have the gospel, they don't have two nickels to rub together. But at this time, we're not starving. We have extra. And we need to take what God's given us and say, Lord, what do you want to give through me every week for the next 52 weeks?